Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. Hey, good morning, Discovery Church Online. My name is Lauren, and along with my wife, Shauna Lee, we have the amazing privilege of being the lead pastors of Discovery Church. You've seen Pastor Shauna Lee at the beginning, and we're so thankful and grateful, and we love being your pastors. We've been in a series for the past few weeks called Six Feet Apart. In this time where we have to be distant from people, I've been thinking that maybe God is calling us to be closer to him. See, one of the tricks of the enemy from the beginning of time is to be separating us from our Heavenly Father. See, he wants to have us living as orphans and not really believing that our God loves us and cares for us and wants to be a part of our life. Like Our Heavenly Father wants to be involved. I kind of thought about it as this, is that what if this time of isolation, we actually viewed it as incubation, that God is developing our hearts and lives to be stronger on the other side of this pandemic, to be a greater force for him, to to overtake our world, to really, really reach our neighbors and our friends and our family with the gospel. But Satan doesn't want us to do that. Satan doesn't want us to get stronger. He wants us to actually live in offense, like we see in week one, we're orphaned by offense, where every little thing we hold on to and it cuts down the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then week two, we looked at the orphan trap, how, how Satan wants to trap us into living in fear and shame. And then last week, we looked at the orphan bait, how we at times bite into religion or bite into rebellion, and that that's holding us back from a living a life in God's presence, in our Father's presence. We use a story in Luke 15 last week to illustrate how religion and rebellion keeps us living outside of the presence of our Father. See, the enemy's tactic from the beginning of time has been to separate us from our Heavenly Father, to have us feeling like spiritual orphans. And many Bible scholars would actually believe and say that there was this thing called the orphan spirit released back in the Garden of Eden. You see, Satan's ultimate plan is to steal, kill, and destroy anything that God loves. And there's nothing that God loves more than you and I. So Satan really wants to destroy you and I, which breaks God's heart. See, we're his children. God created a way through Jesus Christ for us to be called his children. So Satan's ultimate goal is to steal, kill, and destroy us because he knows that's where it hurts God the most. See, the orphan spirit is trying to do a few things. See, the orphan spirit is trying to drive a wedge between our hearts and the Father's love. And as he drives a wedge, he can separate us more and more and more from God's love. And try, he tries to convince us that God is to blame for all of our troubles. You know, many of us uh, are, are probably blaming God for, you know, COVID-19. See, that's, that's a trick of Satan to try to blame 
get us to blame God for all of our troubles, for losing a job or for a divorce. You know, that's a, that's a trick of the enemy to get us to blame God, to get, a, get us to live as orphans separated from God. You know, the orphan spirit causes us to look for answers in any other source but our Father. The orphan spirit wants to create confusion and distance between us and those closest to us. Not even just, not even just a, a distance between us and God, but those closest to us. In this season, maybe you've, you know, you've separated yourself from family or from a close friend. Well, that might be a trick of the enemy. It causes us to live in despair. There's lots of despair going on right now. It's a trick of the enemy. Over the past couple of weeks, we have, we have been identifying the enemy's plans to, to have us living like an orphan. Now, some of this terminology might seem a little gibberish if you don't believe that there is an enemy out to steal, kill, and destroy us. You know, and not necessarily physically destroy, but spiritually destroy. But for those of us that do believe that there is an enemy, and we'll we'll call him um, let's 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 call him Satan. For those of us that know that there is a spiritual battle going on, this series has probably helped enlighten your thinking and help us understanding, help us understand some of the strategies of our enemy. But again, I'm so thankful for Scripture. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. B-I-B-L-E, you've probably heard it said, you know, basic constructions before leaving earth. But in here, we get to learn how Satan thinks. 2 Corinthians uh, 2 puts it this way. Just gives us a little insight. It says, I wrote to you, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs and and when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Here it comes. So that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. See, from the beginning of time, Satan has been strategizing to steal, kill, and destroy us. To have us living like orphans, separated from our Heavenly Father. But the enemy's strategies are nothing new. Honestly, the enemy's strategies are very predictable. But they seem to work every time. Until. Until we realize what he is up to. So today, this is what I want to do for the next few moments. It's time for us to wake up. As believers, as Christ followers, it's time for us to, to come alive to Satan's strategies, to, to open our eyes. So I want us to wake up to a strategy. So for the next few minutes, I want to look at three strategies that Satan uses to keep us orphaned. And I want to use a story in the Old Testament to help do that. It's the story of Nehemiah. And give you a little bit of background on what's happening um, in, this, in this time. Nehemiah was written 
around the year 430 BC. He's a Jew, but he was but he was living in exile. And exile means that he was not permitted to go back to his homeland, which was Jerusalem. Nehemiah was property of, of the Persian king, and this is Nehemiah's job. Nehemiah's job was a cupbearer for the king. And what a cupbearer was, was someone that would test the wine that was given to the king before the king would drink it. So if somebody actually put poison in it, Nehemiah would actually die before he gave it to the king. So he was, he was kind of like a, a safety for the king of what he drinks because people would put poison in there. And what's happened at this point is that Nehemiah, being a Jew, got word that the walls of Jerusalem were still in ruin from a previous war. Now this upset Nehemiah because, because his people were in danger of their enemies that were just neighboring them and, and his people weren't safe. So we, we read in the story that, that he prays and he fasts and he goes to the king and asks for permission to go and be, build, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And king grants him permission. Not only does he grant him permission, he gives him all the, all the, the materials and gives him a passport and, and sends him on his way. Kind of blesses him as he goes. So this is what's taking place. And I want to pick up the story in Nehemiah 4, verse 6. It says, so when we went to rebuild the wall, this is Nehemiah's account. So when we went to rebuild the wall, as soon as it was was half its full height because the people sorry because the people were eager to work Sablot, Toba and the people of Erba, Ammon and Ashdod heard that he were that he was making progress in rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and the gaps in the wall were being closed that those, those weird names, that those are all enemies of Jerusalem. And they became very angry. So they all plotted together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Jerusalem, And then Nehemiah says, But we prayed to our God and kept men on guard against them day and night. The first strategy of the enemy is to create confusion, and specifically confusion about our future. You know, so many of us, when we think about our futures, we, we actually look back to our past, and we start to believe a lie from our past, or something in our past, and it, and it goes something like this. You know, how can God use me? Look at my past. I have done such and such. You know, we're looking towards our future, but it's our past that is hindering us to move forward. My past is so bad that my future can't be anything. See, if the enemy can get us focused on our past, he's going to cut us, cut us off from living in our future. And the word confusion simply means to hinder. You know, the enemy showed up to Nehemiah through people that were trying to keep him from rebuilding the wall. For some of us, the enemy will show up through people who would try to keep you from building your future. The enemy will show up 
sometimes through your friends and your family, and I have them saying things like this, who do, who do you think you are? It was just last week that you were out partying with me. Or it was, it was just last week or a couple days ago that you were gossiping in the same way that I am now. Who do you think you are? And people at times will, will remind you of your past. Because honestly, they don't want you to be a better you. But can I say something today to you sitting on your couch at home? gathered around your computer or watch, looking at your phone or watching through YouTube. You have a choice to not allow others to hinder your progress. You get to choose to keep going. See, you know how Satan thinks and one of his strategies is to create confusion around our future. Lots of times he'll use other people but what other people think about you is none of your business. See, he's going to try to create confusion about your future by bringing up your past. Second strategy of Satan. He's going to work to create weakness in your present. Nehemiah 6 9 says this, if I can get there. It says, They were trying to frighten us into stopping work. I prayed, God, make me strong. See, Satan will try to frighten you. Because when we live in fear, it will have us stepping away from the purpose that God has for our lives. You, know, you might be watching or listening today, and I'm not sure what year or what date you're listening, but currently it's in December of 2020. And you're watching and listening, and once you were so involved in kingdom work but somewhere along the way in this life's journey the enemy created enough fear and enough confusion in your life to have you step away from the calling of God on your life and you decided you know you know what I'm going to sit this one out and you compromise the calling for comfort See, Satan's strategy is to have you back away in the present. You know, he, he may have even tricked you to believe that it's your weakness is just too much to be used by God. You know, it's the addiction that you, you battle on a daily basis just makes you too weak. Or your personality, you know what, I'm not an upfront person. Your personality makes you too weak. Or your family situation you, it makes, you, makes you too weak. Nehemiah was a slave to the king and he still fulfilled his purpose. Can I say it? Today is the day that you see, that we see Satan's strategy to hold us back 
And it's time for us to get back in the game. And, and even, even if you feel like you're, you're, you're too weak, who cares? Second Corinthians, what does Second Corinthians say? Second Corinthians 12 says this. It says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The third strategy of our enemy is this, is that our enemy will do whatever he can to stop our progress. Nehemiah 6 says, Sanballat, Toba, Jessam, and the rest of our enemies heard that we had finished building the wall and that there were no gaps left in it. Although we still had not set up the gates and the gateways, so Sambalot and Jessam sent me a message suggesting that I would meet them in one of the villages in the plain of Ona. This was a trick of theirs to try to harm me. I sent messengers to say to them, I'm doing important work and can't go there. I am not going to let the work stop just to go see you. They sent me the same message four times, and each time I sent them the same reply. See, Satan's ultimate strategy is to stop us from growth, stop us from maturing as Christ followers. See, he doesn't want you to be a mature Christian. He doesn't want you to become more like Christ because when we become more like Christ, people start to take notice. Your friends and your family, your co-worker, the people you go to school with, begin to see something different about your life over their life and curiosity starts to spark in their life. It says, hmm, what's different about him? What's different about her? And when they start having conversations with you, they start asking you, and then you have the opportunity to share your faith. And before you know it, you're leading people to faith in Jesus. And Satan is not okay with that. He doesn't want you to become a mature Christ follower. He wants to distract you. He wants to hold you back. So when Nehemiah was faced with this strategy, what did he do? He prayed, he prayed and said, God, make me strong. See, Nehemiah was not giving up on a dream to see the walls rebuilt. And I believe, I really do believe that, that God is raising up a Nehemiah generation who will not stop. Who will not allow our weaknesses to hold us down and will not allow, allow uh, Satan to confuse us and to hinder us by his strategies. See, there was a wall to be rebuilt. There was something that was pressing on God's people. And Nehemiah stepped up. 
church, friends, family, there is a world that is dying, that is hurting. God's children are in need of a savior. They're in need to know about a savior. There's a world that needs to be one. And we're called to be the people that bring Christ's hope and peace. But here's the thing. Our enemy, the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, it's not going down easily. But if we know his strategies, it's going to be easy to see him coming. Maybe you're listening today, watching online. And as I unpack three strategies, you're like, man, I've been so susceptible to the strategies. I'm letting my, my, my past dictate my future. Or I'm, I'm living in confusion. You know, the enemy has had you live in, living as an orphan outside of God's presence. Today, would you remind yourself that your future is not determined by your past, but your future is already spoken for by Jesus Christ himself, that you are a son, you are a daughter of our Heavenly Father. If you want to make a decision today to give your life to Christ, Welcome you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, today I give my life to you. I'm made aware of the strategies of Satan. And I claim the blood of Jesus over my life. Today, Heavenly Father, would you come into my heart? Would you make me new? In the name of Jesus, amen. See, Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we know his strategies, we can see him coming a long way off. I thought it would be fitting to close our time off today by reading from Ephesians 6. This is what it says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that the mighty put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body uh, the body armor of God's righteousness for, sho uh, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be able to fo be fully prepared. 
in addition to all of those, hold up your shield of faith and stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can be can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching the message of God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Satan's scheme is to separate us from the love of God. To have us living like orphans, believing that you know, our past cancels out our future. But there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Before we were even born, the Bible says that Christ died for us. God created a way for you and I before we were even born. Today, church, our eyes were opened up to some strategies. Now we see them coming. It's our responsibility to dig into the word, to know our place as sons and daughters of God. If you made a decision today to give your life to Christ, man, as a church, we would love to know about it. We would love to be able to pray with you. We'd love to be able to send you a Bible, know your name. Would you click the link in the comments section and just let our team know. There you'll find a connection card and you can uh, fill it out. And that way we can make sure we're praying for you. Over the next four weeks, we will be online. And another thing that we'll be online for is our Christmas Eve experience at four and six Mountain Standard Time. We'd love to have you join, put it in your calendars. We framed it as uh, Christmas Eve and YEG. YEG is Edmonton, but this year it's Christmas Eve across Canada, Christmas Eve across the world, wherever you're tuning in from. Let's do Christmas Eve together. Discovery Church family, Sean Lee and I are so honored to be your pastors. We love you and we're continuing to pray for you. See you real soon.